from Pennsylvania Avenue to Main Street, Scott Inez tackles the hot topics like only he can. It's time for Inez Says. I welcome you to the Inez Says Podcast. Scott Inez along for the ride today. Appreciate you being here. You can check out the pod all over the place, including Spotify, the WDBO app, WDBO.com. I'm also on the radio each and every day with Orlando's Morning News, 5 to 9 a.m. on WDBO 107.3 FM and AM 580 in Orlando, outside of O-Town. Just go ahead and stream us there in the WDBO app. I always enjoy catching up with the hardest working man in broadcasting. His name is Brian Kilmeade. You hear him on WDBO 9 to noon every day. So much to talk about today, including election 2021. It includes a big Republican upset in Virginia, a stunningly close gubernatorial race in the deep blue state of New Jersey, and whether the Biden administration is going to receive the message that was being sent by American voters on Tuesday night. Here's that conversation now. Lots to talk about here, Brian. First time in 12 years that a Republican wins a statewide race in a blue state, and that is Virginia, uh, a state that Joe Biden took by 10 points a year ago. Glenn Youngkin defeats Terry McAuliffe. Well, let me get your thoughts about what went on in the Commonwealth last night. I mean, this was earned. This wasn't, wow, what a catchy slogan. This isn't a compassionate conservatism. It isn't the Marriage Reform Act. This is wait a second, uh, what's going on with the national economy? Why doesn't people seem to care about the supply chain? It's such a military-oriented uh, area, retired and active. Uh, what happened in Afghanistan? A national embarrassment that will, will trail us for generations. And then what about this arrogant former governor, McAuliffe, who walks around saying there is no CRT, makes up stats about coronavirus and how many children are actually in hospitals, says he's a Donald Trump incarnate when there's no one bought that, and basically says every time he talks, he was at a dog whistle for racism, including the last day where he said, I'm going to change the, uh, the makeup of teachers in Virginia. There's too many white teachers. Mm. Really? That is an issue. Too many white. Does anyone care what color your teacher is? It is how good they are. Not many people go into that to be rich. They do it because they care about kids. And I thought he had teachers unions in his pocket. And he starts uh, with that rhetoric. And then he brought in celebrities instead of letting Virginians know that it's about them. And to Youngkin's credit, he's not only is he walking that line with being not anti-Trump and not pro-Trump, but he's like, I'm just going to run for people of Virginia by myself while Barack Obama, Stacey Abrams, the vice president, cut a tape for 300 black churches. Uh, Jill Biden was uh, through there. You had, uh, you had uh, 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 famous musicians coming through. And he lost more and more uh, momentum. So I, I think this was earned. And I think it's a bellwether in some cases, in some ways, for next year. I, I think you're exactly right. I think there's going to be a playbook that is taken out of this thing by Republicans all across the country. And you mentioned, you know, the economy, Afghanistan, and, and you touched upon it, teachers, and in particular, education. And we've talked about it during this hour over the last several months. Don't mess with our kids. I, I think that was a message that came out of Virginia last night. Education, critical race theory, the politics of racism. I think we saw a clear message from voters last night, and that is, look, this is a bridge too far here. Look at New Jersey. 
Yeah. I mean, there were 61 votes, I think, separating the two with 84% of the precincts in. I mean, every everybody had this. We had Chris Christie on television yesterday, and he said, listen, Jack Cittarelli has done very well. He's closed the gap well. I don't know if he's gone far enough, but he's a lot closer than people think. And the former governor of Jersey nailed it. In fact, Cittarelli was winning most of the night. I mean, he flipped the, the two major counties in New Jersey. So th- what's going on in New Jersey is stunning. Also, the lieutenant governor in uh, Virginia, I should say, a female veteran of, whose parents came from Jamaica, who is uh, African-American and Republican. So we're trying to, and I think we get to a place where when you see a white person, black person, old, young, you're not going to, I hope we get to the point where, oh, that's a Republican voter. That's a Democratic voter. I, I hope we get to a point where the Republicans actually go for the urban vote. And you saw Democrats take the suburban vote for granted. It seems the Republicans grabbed a lot of that back. Yeah, and even where you are sitting right now, New York City, I know Eric Adams, a Democrat, defeats the Republican Curtis Sliwa, but Adams is a guy, Brian, who ran on a public safety platform in an era when his fellow Democrats were talking about defunding the police. So um, it, it would seem as if... You know, this talk about defunding the police and, and of course, what happened in Minneapolis last night with that being rejected, it would seem that this is dying down a little bit, which I think is a very good thing. You know why? It's not because of talk radio or uh, big ads support your support the blue. It is because nothing is safe. Mm. Carjacking is back. They're not prosecuting, not in your state, but not prosecuting shoplifting. And people, uh, you know, with guns are being arraigned and let out the same day, which is not a big deal in Florida, but it's a huge deal in New York City, where stop and frisk had really not crimed down to almost single digits. I mean, what is going on now with the homeless are back as if we are recruiting them. And that was just not the case. They were come by, be picked up in vans and brought to shelters, and they began to know that you're not going to uh, you're not going to harass people at Penn Station, at Grand Central Station. You're not going to make it impossible for tourists to enjoy themselves. And what you did is in California, you said, well, "Come one, come all," and it's taken over the city. And not to have not a hard to homeless. But you have to find a way to make it a safe place to be. And a lot of the homeless are mentally ill and dangerous. I, I walked 14 blocks to Penn Station every day. And I'm telling you, I've been doing this 25 years. I've never seen it so dangerous. So if Eric Adams ran on, well, the cops are terrible, and I was a cop, and I'm going to go back to um, my new reimagined policing, he wouldn't even gotten the nomination. He has said so many right things. I am so hopeful that he is going to attack issues, not as a Democrat or Republican, just attack them. Mm -hmm. Because people, I mean, you want to follow the worst mayor ever. I do. I think everything he does positive is going to look uh, twice as good. Yeah, now there's word that he's going to run. De Blasio is going to run for governor up there. I, you I believe that? Unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. And you're it's living cruelish. in the belly of the beast up there. I don't get it. But I think what we saw last night nationally, Brian, w- was a referendum on Joe Biden's first year in office. I mean, does the Biden administration receive that message now? I, I think they have to. And, uh, you know, what Joe Biden even said yesterday at his press conference, said if you could possibly painfully get through it. He's saying things like, well, yeah, inflation's high and, 
you know, and right now uh, there's so many unfilled jobs and the supply chain is an issue, but I'm going to have a better, we're going to have a better Thanksgiving this year. I just was sitting with my daughter and my son-in-law this year is going to be much better. Okay, that makes no sense. And inflation, uh, uh, the wages have outstripped inflation in terms of uh, even though inflation is going up, the wages have gone up. That's not. That's totally not true. And, and what your policies would do is raise inflation. And guess what? Joe Manchin told us that because he went to the Wharton School of Business and said, can you do my math for me? Because I'm not believing the Democrat math. It would add to inflation. That's what the debt would do. So Joe Biden's not – it's got an interesting way to lead. He's not doing anything. I mean, let's see. Let's solve the border problem by ignoring it. Let's pull everyone out of Afghanistan and tell everyone in the White House, don't even bring it up about the hundreds, maybe thousands of people left behind. Don't bring up the supply chain because Pete Buttigieg is back from, uh, is back from uh, child leave. Um, I, I guess he had took three months and didn't tell anybody off, but he says it's a good problem to have that we have over 100 ships off the coast of Los Angeles. And even though California and Florida, excuse me, Texas and Florida have said, use my ports, we will help you out. We got the drivers and we have the room. He has not even answered that. Mm. So the non, the, not the bad decisions, the non-decisions are not a plus. Yeah, it can't be a good thing for all those ships to be sitting off the coast of Southern California. Real quick, i got to mention your new book. It is out about Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Tell me about it. I mean, what's what's the kind of reaction that you're getting right now about this new book here, Brian? Well, I mean, uh, obviously, it's it's great to be on Fox and have, and have our radio show because, I mean, it's it's uh, one or two on Amazon, uh, but right away because I think people don't mind talking about race in America, the ugliness of slavery. No one's ducking it. CRT mm-hmm. is different from looking at our past and knowing that uh, slavery, which was in uh, 350,000 uh, 350, households, who was uh, over four million, and what led us to the breaking point, which is the Civil War, and how these two men couldn't be more unlikely to, uh, to succeed, let alone lead us through our most difficult time, is Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, who, whose lives only intersected in the last few months of theirs. But what they did separately and then eventually together, I thought was worth telling. And, you know, you, when you go into race, when you talk about slavery, I'm not even, don't spin it, don't soft pedal it. It was brutal. But what Frederick Douglass did, who lived through it and escaped from it, and his view of America, which was let's make it better and let's fix it, not that it's, it's built on racism and can't be, it's unredeemable, like the 1619 Project tells you, it tells you this, if I'm not going to even skew the audience, I built every chapter around quotes, mm-hmm. because I don't want anyone to think that uh, I'm, I'm using my opinion on this. I'm telling a story about a friendship that not many people knew about, how they sparred from afar, how they came together, and what Lincoln was up to and how he did it and how Frederick Douglass pushed him to be a better president and how, in the end, Lincoln ended up basically running for re-election as, as, as an abolitionist when he got the job by saying, hey, South, come on back and you can keep your slaves. Let's just work this out when seven states left before we actually, he actually even got to the White House. And that drove Frederick Douglass nuts. He had his own newspaper. He wrote about it. It's not my opinion. I know it. And then Douglas talks about what he felt when he finally met the president Mm. and how they worked together and how intellectually zoned in he was. 
and how they ended up using Frederick Douglass ended up being the number one recruiter of African-Americans in the North and the South to form an all-black army that fought with such valor, it would convert with thousands and maybe millions of Americans to understand that there is, there's, everyone deserves freedom and equality. And, and I talk about the 54th Infantry, uh, which was all-black, which was um, many people think of Denzel Washington in glory. And in the special I have on the channel on November 7th at 10 o'clock, you'll see this come to life and you'll get an idea what the book's about. Thanks to Brian Kilmeade for the chat here on the Inez Says Podcast. I'm Scott Inez. Appreciate you being here again. Find me on the radio each and every morning with Orlando's Morning News 5 to 9 a.m. on WDBO 107.3 FM and AM 580 in O-Town. I will see you next time.